best, because I just feel like talking today. Um, put your hand up if you love Liz. It's awesome. Who didn't put their hand up? Um, I just want to <laughs> do a little shout out to Liz because everyone knows the journey that she's been on. If you're in our church, you know that she's had a really tricky year. And um, in the midst of it, behind the scenes, still within that, she's faithfully served the church. She's All the things of a mother and a wife and all that stuff aside, she's still faithfully served the church. And not everybody knows that she's often out the back and her and Alan are like building tables and they've gone in the middle of the week and they've bought new and extra chairs and there's so much, there's so much that happens in the life of the church that, that they are responsible for and we're often here early doing music and stuff so I see it. Um, so big shout out for your awesomeness and your faithfulness. Yeah, clap. In the midst of a really hard personal time. So I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you so much, Liz. You know I just love her deeply and respect her as a mom and a wife, and, but even more so, God, as a really amazing daughter that she is in your kingdom, God. And I pray for her right now that your presence would just fall on her in a real and dramatic and a really powerful way today that would just resonate um, throughout this auditorium, God, and that, you would, that she would speak truth and life and freshness into our hearts this morning. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. That was really nice. I feel loved. Thank you. That's a great way to start. Um, I'm going to be continuing the series that we've had on the Beatitudes. We started last week. Um, it was originally taught by Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount. It's going up there anytime now. And it's a scripture from Matthew. It's, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Awesome. Now, the first thing I wondered when I read this scripture was, why did God use that word mourn? And even more so, blessed are those who mourn. Like That's a fairly loaded word. That's not a word you use lightly or you use just, just for effect. What could possibly cause God to grieve so much that he taught us this revelation? So I started to try and see that question from God's perspective, from his point of view. So here we are, God's children were created to live in the Garden of Eden. We were designed to have this sinless, perfect, death-free environment to live in, and that was God's plan. That was the perfect plan. But if you read Genesis, you find out that's not what happened, um, and Adam chose and Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at that point, sin and death entered into the world. So God, at that moment, knew better than we can ever truly comprehend what that was going to mean. Sin and death were now going to have their way. And he could see the whole horrific history that that was going to wreak on all of his children. Not just earthly death, but eternal hell. And this is the loss that he grieved. Not just to one child either, but to all of his children. And he mourned that. That's the heart of God. He mourns the power that sin is now going to have to destroy people's lives 
and he mourns the injustice of poverty and starvation, and he mourns that people are going to be sick, and that they're going to be blind, and they're going to have tragedies. He mourned for you. He mourned for every single person by name. And when we understand that loss, then we begin to grieve as well. Point two, Mr. Projectionist. So I've got to admit that the first thing I thought of when I read that scripture was death. And often when I mention that scripture to other people, that's often the first thing they thought of as well. So I, I immediately remembered a time about 12 years ago when um, Alan and I, my husband here, had moved over from New Zealand. And I was at home one night, and it was a beautiful summer evening, um, and the phone rang. And I picked up the phone, and there was this weird voice on the other end, and it took me a moment to figure out, like, was this a telemarketer with a strange... No, it was my mother. And she said to me, Chris is dead. And Chris uh, is my eldest brother, was my eldest brother. And he'd been hit by a car and then left in the middle of the road, where he was then hit by a second car and killed. And the first driver, the, the first driver at that time hadn't been found and the police were searching for him. And Chris was 38 years old and he had two little boys who were five and four. Now that's, that's just not right. And I went and stayed with my parents after he died and um, I tell you, it's a horrible thing to watch your parents grieve. As much as I grieved, it didn't touch, it didn't compare to what they went through. And their grief was worse because their love was greater. And when knowing the price of loving people, it's a temptation not to love people too much. And there's also a temptation to be paralyzed by that grief into inaction. And that's not the kind of grief that God wants for us. We mourn the loss, absolutely, but we recognize that we have something that the world does not. We have the good news. We have the hope. We have the power of God. And if we are called to have a heart like Jesus, absolutely we are called to mourn injustice, but we are called to do something about it. Thank you. John 15, 12 to 13 says it like this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to lay down his own life for his friends. God loved us so much that he said what you often hear parents say when they've lost a child, I would rather you kill me. I would rather that you hurt me than watch my child suffer. Take my body, take my blood, if it would make it right and the kind of mourning that flows out of true love seeks to right what is wrong. It's sacrificial. And that's why you see, like, the parents of children, you think of people like uh, Daniel Morecambe who died, and his parents, Bruce and Denise, ended up setting up a foundation for other children to keep them safe. Mourning should be 
incredibly motivating, not paralyzing, because we carry a hope and we realize that we're empowered to do something about it and it makes us willing to give our time and our money and our energy because that's what love does. 1 John 17 to 19 says, if anyone has this world's goods, resources for sustaining life, and sees his brother and fellow believer in need, yet closes his heart of compassion against him, how can the love of God live and remain in him? Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice and in sincerity. By this we shall come to know that we are of the truth and can reassure our hearts in his presence. God doesn't want us to simply pray for everything to be fixed by him. And neither does he want us to try and live out this scripture in our own strength and ability. Thank you, Dan. Jesus often said that he only did what he saw his father doing. He listened to God and he did what he was directed to do. So when I mourn, I'm empowered to bring comfort. The father sent Jesus. Jesus, sent, Jesus asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus sends us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. John 20, 21 says, as, just as the Father sent me forth, so I'm sending you. So why is it a blessing to mourn? Firstly, because when we mourn, we feel the heartbeat of God. Secondly, because when we mourn, we feel the pain of others. Thirdly, because it motivates us to action. But that is not the end of the story. That is not the end of that scripture. We're not expected to stay in a state of mourning. It doesn't say, blessed are those who mourn, full stop. It says, blessed are those who mourn, and here's the good news, for they shall be comforted. Now, being a mum to four children, I have a fair bit of experience in comforting children. Ah. <sighs> Every time I tried to get through my message, I'd have to stop and go, oh, dear, it's all right. Oh, okay. Oh, seriously. <laughs> and every mum can tell, you know, from half a building away, the sound of their own child and that sound winding up. And you can tell how, from how loud it gets and how high-pitched it gets, how injured they are, whether there's blood involved or not, whether you should come running. <laughs> and those endless bouts of comforting children are the most annoying, sorry, rewarding parts of being a parent. And when they're injured, what do they want? Me. They don't want a lolly or a toy or a band-aid. Oh, they'll take all that stuff later, but they want me. Now. Because children know something very important. That comfort is a person. It's a relationship of trust. They come to me because they believe I'm all-powerful. <laughs> Mummy, can you unpop my balloon? And they believe that anything's possible, that I can make it better. And that's why our children love superheroes so much. That's where the comfort in is. It's in the belief that I, that I or God has the power to help what hurts us. 
John 14, 16 to 17 says, I will ask my Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him, or know him, or recognize him, but you know him, and recognize him. For he lives with you, constantly, and will be in you. Look at those words. Counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. That is someone who can get the job done. That is not a nice little pat on the head. Comfort has power. (laughs) He has power. Plenty of people can say to you, it's going to be all right, but unless they've got the power to back it up, it's not very comforting. Real comfort comes with a real relationship with a real person. And until you really desperately need that relationship, sometimes you don't realize the power that it has. Now, some of you, um, as Mel was sort of alluding to, I was, I've been sick. About four months ago, I got really sick. And you might have seen me sitting down here during the worship, the only one sitting, because I couldn't stand up or even sit up for any length of time. The church was the only place I came, really. Um, and halfway through the service, I'd have to go and lie down because I couldn't even be upright. Um, and I couldn't walk very far. Um, my brain was sort of malfunctioning, so I couldn't uh, talk sometimes properly, and I couldn't really think. My brain sort of wasn't working properly. Um, and if I tried to do too much, I'd sort of I'd end up comatose in a, in a sort of a shutdown state. I couldn't look after my kids, and I even couldn't look after myself, to be honest. Um, and I know that every one of you has been through an extremely difficult situation in your life where life just did not work out the way you planned it, or the way you thought it should. And at times like that, you need the comforter and the counselor and the helper and the intercessor and the advocate and the strengthener and the standby. I was sick. I needed him to heal me. I was scared, and I needed him to counsel me. And I couldn't fix it, so I needed him to intercede for me. And only God can do that. Doctors couldn't heal me. And a psychiatrist couldn't make it all right. There was actually no medicine I could take that was going to fix it. I would have had no hope. And all those things are good. Doctors and specialists and psychiatrists and medicine. Don't get me wrong, they are all good. But there is only one person who has that kind of power. (laughs) And he doesn't just say it will be all right. He has the power to make it all right. And then he's given that power to us. Do you understand that? He's given that same power to us. Wow. He paid such a high price to make it right. But if we will not receive it, then there's nothing he can do for us. And if we won't receive it, there's nothing he can do through us. We need to know his voice, to know his ways, and to have a real relationship with him. A two-way relationship. He speaks, you listen. You speak, he listens. Two-way communication. 
He is passionate about you doing what you were sent here to do. He is more passionate than you are to see that happen. But we must listen. We must follow. And we must be willing to do whatever it takes. And all he really requires from you is a willing heart. You've got to be willing to mourn what he mourns. And you've got to be willing to love what he loves. Because you know what he grieves for most of all? That you would love him. And that you would let him love you. That's what he wants most of all. And if you will do that, then you'll be truly blessed. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here. I know that nobody is here by accident today. It is your desire, Lord, to speak to each and every person. And I know that when we come into your presence, God, we will be changed. Lord, we want to be changed. I ask you, Lord, that every person here enters into a new relationship with you today, a relationship of trust, where they hear your voice more clearly than they've ever heard it before. That, Lord, they would see your communication to them and everything around them, in their dreams and pictures and random conversations and books they read and everything they come across. Lord, open their ears, their eyes, and their hearts. And while everyone's just got their eyes closed and their head bowed, I want to ask you this question. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? Do you know for certain he's your God and he's got you? That when you die, you're going to heaven. If you don't know that or you're unsure about that, then he is mourning for you. He wants your love and he wants to show you his love. But the first step is to give your life to him like he gave his life for you completely. He cannot restore what you do not give to him. It's your choice. And if that is on your heart today and you know you haven't given him that, then I ask you to put your hand up in the air and say, God, that's changing today. Today's the day. I don't want to miss out on a relationship with you like that. I want it to be the real deal. I want to know you, God. I want to give you my heart. And if you've done that before, you've made that commitment before, but you're away from God, you're not 100% in his hands and you know that. You're not fully committed, but you want to change that. Then I want you to put your hand up and tell God that. Acknowledge that to him. I want to give you 100%, Lord. I want my life fully committed to you. I want to give you all of those things that you are mourning for. I want to have that kind of relationship with you, that deep, passionate relationship. 
today's the day. You don't know how many days you have left. None of us do. We don't know if we have a tomorrow. You can't leave this for another week. If you're not 100% sure, then put your hand up and get 100% sure that He is your God and you are His child. And also I know today God is calling calling you to a deeper relationship with Him. And He's nudging your heart about some stuff. And He's telling you that He wants you to give Him permission. Permission to come in and deal with some stuff. Permission to come and heal, to restore, to renew, to transform. And it's just between you and God. Just in your heart right now, just give Him permission. Acknowledge that you want Him deeper in your life, that you want Him to take the reins, that you're willing to let Him do what He wants to do with your life. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that all of the resources of heaven are at our disposal. Praise you, Jesus. Now, amen. <laughs> um, thank you. Now, we're going to have um, prayer team members up here at the front if anybody wants prayer or ministry or healing or anything else. We just want to talk. We're here. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak today. I encourage you to, to step into that deeper relationship because we've all got a deeper relationship there to go into, all of us, no matter where you are. Thank you, guys. Bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day.